Like, look at what you got going on. Maybe there's something you can tighten up or it could be as easy as it's not you. Maybe they're just not bringing on that category. Like my girlfriend had taught me there's no such thing as failure, only success and lessons learned. And I've lived by that since she taught me that lesson. Like that is what I tell everybody when they're getting down on themselves. It's not necessarily a problem with you. And if there is, you have an opportunity to grow. So it's a win-win. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new season of Start Right Here. We are the podcast that puts the spotlight on the career paths of BIPOC beauty professionals, entrepreneurs, and creatives, as well as issues related to beauty and inclusion impacting us in the industry, as well as impacting consumers. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I hope that conversations on this show help fuel your path to success. Hi, everybody. Today, we are going to talk about finding your niche as an indie beauty brand. And today, I'm really fortunate to have Chrissy Cabrera, who's founder of Naturally London, a foot care brand primarily. And we're going to talk about why she chose foot care and how she has made it in an award-winning brand by concentrating on a niche. Welcome, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me. Before we start talking about your career path, let's begin with some fun questions in our For the Love of Beauty section. What was the first product you ever purchased or tried? I believe my first was, which was many moons ago, St. Ives or St. Eve's Walnut Scrub, Facial Scrub. I used that product for so long until I didn't, (laughs) until I learned more and did better. What's the most recent product that you've tried? I think I recently tried this product by Earth Harbor. It's called Marina and it's like a brightening serum or something like a biome brightening serum. And I love it. Like I have been using a different serum for a very long time. That's ridiculously expensive. So I was on the search of something that was more price point that I could feel comfortable with. And I tried this brand and I was just like, you know, I don't know. And now I'm like pouring it on, lathering it on. Like <laughs> I love my skin look and feel. So I will definitely have this in my beauty arsenal moving forward. And the brand is Earth Harbor? Earth Harbor Marina Brightening Biome or something. It's a beautiful blue. I love blue. The color blue is my favorite. So they won me over with the blue hue. And so, yeah. Oh, well, check it out. What's the beauty advice you live by or leave alone? I think it's like anything in life, like dieting or exercising. You have to find what works for you. Take your friend's advice, suggestions, but you just have to find what works for you, your face, your hair. And it's okay. If you have to keep evolving, you learn more, you do better kind of thing. I think as Black women, there's a big movement or a big conversation happening about how a lot of the products targeted towards us are harmful to us. So I just feel like anyone trying to create this beauty regimen, just don't be afraid to spend money and just be conscious of what you're putting on your skin. If it costs a dollar ninety nine and it says it's organic or something, there's probably something fishy going on there. 
Right. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Was the beauty industry a destination or a detour for you? That question is really good. And I never thought that I would be where I am right now. I've always been kind of like, I was a fashion consultant. So I was exposed to like makeup artists and hairstylists and beauty and all that. And I had beauty blogs where I talked about beauty and things like that. But if you talked to me 20 years ago and said, you'll have a foot care line, I would be like, (laughs) but it just all happened divinely. Like sometimes people ask me, how do you know this? And how do you know that? And I'm like, I know this sounds corny. I just know. I just do. And I think that that's just God-given talent. I can't take credit for it. I don't want to take credit for it. So I've kind of always had a thing for beauty, but to say where I am right now, it definitely is a divine inter- divine intervention or whatever the word I'm trying to think of, but yeah. Well, that's great. Let's talk about your first job. You said you had a path that you didn't ever think you were going to be where you are right now. So what was the first job and how did you land it? My very first job was when I was 15 years old. I was working at McDonald's. I was, you know, fries and sweeping floors and going home smelling like grease, but proud because I earned wages. Yeah, I didn't stay in fast food industry like that long because I just always had this desire or thought that I was meant for something. And so that was my very first job, but I didn't stay there long. What's something you learned there that you've carried with you? Besides making at McDonald's or like me landing the very first thing that I define as a job, which was in college, I think I'm always kind of like seeing where I want to be. Sometimes it's nice to have a visual of your target, seeing your muse or whatever that's going to motivate you and just knowing that you're worthy to be there with them. Absolutely. And I'm talking more about when I landed my first job in college, like big job in college. I saw these people working at a bank that was a bank in a grocery store. And I don't know if they do that still anymore, but I was like, I want to be over there with them and not over here wearing khakis and a polo. I was like, I want to be where they are. And I walked right over there and said, I want to work here. I want to be where you guys are. What can I do? And I think sometimes we're afraid to ask for what we want or ask for guidance. And I did. And I landed that job. I was there working there the next week. Everyone (laughs) was looking at me like, where is she going? Like, I'm going to my new job. See ya. Now, were you in the Air Force? Yes. After I graduated from college, I went into the Air Force. I served for five years. And that experience taught me so much. But one thing I will never forget is I learned a lot about, I had two really amazing, they call them like your chief officer. I had an amazing chief officer named Captain LaFrance. And then I had a master sergeant, Dangerfield was my enlisted supervisor. And they taught me the power of how to be a great leader, how to get the mutual respect between each other. Like I was so loyal to them. They never had to ask for loyalty because of how they treated me. And I try to infuse that with how I deal with people every day. How did you move from being in the Air Force to entrepreneurship? I worked two jobs for a very long time. Even when I was in the Air Force, I worked two jobs. I didn't have to. Um, Out of the Air Force, I was working for the government. I had a great job, 
but I wanted to have my own business because in my mind, I felt like there's always a ceiling. And in order to achieve the greatness that I felt is meant for me, I would have to work for myself. So when I first got out of the Air Force, I was doing fashion consulting. I wasn't doing foot care. And then down the line, I decided to myself, I want to make money while I sleep. I'm always taking like seminars or whatever, learning, networking. And I was like, I want to make money while I sleep. I want to make a product. But I didn't think any more about it. I wasn't sitting like, what product should I make? I kind of just had the process in my head with the hopes of one day it will figure out. Like I was thinking about making a cool hanger. I was so far left. I was so far left. I had no idea. And then I stopped doing fashion consulting primarily because I was pregnant. I was tired. I was already working a full-time job with the government. Like I had been stopped doing that. And I was just pregnant and miserable. And after pregnancy, that's where the aha moment happened, which transitioned me to foot care. Before we get there, you said you also were a blogger. Tell me about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I just make things extra because that's just my superpower. <laughs> like I had a blog called The Bestie List. I had 16 bloggers working for me. I had events for this Bestie List. We were talking about fashion. We were talking about beauty. I don't do with The Bestie List anymore because as I hone in on my purpose, I kind of don't want other things to kind of pull from my creative source. But yeah, I love blogging. I still blog. Obviously, I contribute to the blog on Naturally London. I feel like social media is a form of blogging too. And I contribute to posts there. But yeah, I love to write. It's always been a passion for me. I love writing. So you got 16 other people to be part of like a blogging network. How long did you do that for where it was sort of your passion and focus? I think three years. I did Bestie List for three years and I had 16 bloggers the whole time. Maybe like one person would fall off, but someone else would come on. I don't know why the number 16 was the number, but yeah, we had a good time. Great content, great women to work with, very talented, but yeah. I had a blog too. I would say for four years, maybe starting 2008 to 2012. Yeah. Called that Black Girl Site. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was the primary writer, but I had about five or six contributors and doing that with a full-time job where you work on content. That's a whole lot. <laughs> it's a whole lot. And it's just like, why? Why was I adding all this extra on my plate? But when you're so passionate about stuff, I love sharing information with people, especially it's like the bestie list started out just kind of like beauty, but slowly transitioned to clean beauty. And we were focusing on clean beauty and being a beacon for that. It was fun. It's fun, but it's still a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work and you got to love it. And that time I actually had a radio show, like a blog talk radio show that went with it. Like I was all in. Getting back to how your pregnancy spurred the interest in foot care. Tell me a little bit more about how that came to be. What did you do once you had the idea? And what was the idea? Right. So like I said, when I was pregnant with my first pregnancy, I suffered from severe swelling of the feet early on. It was like one day I could walk and the next day I could sail. Just put me on a river and sail me down because my feet were so swollen. It was horrible. And so with the way I found relief was soaking my feet. 
So, of course, most people are probably thinking, well, you can go to any CVS, Walgreens and grab some foot soak stuff. Why do you have to make it? Well, I had a severe aversion to like tea tree and peppermint. And that's like in almost every foot care product you come across that scent. And I had a super nose while I was pregnant. Most pregnant women can probably say, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like the sensation of it was just like I just started wanting to throw up. So I started making my own soaks and I also made some butter so I can get foot massages and soak my feet. And I didn't think anything else of it. I went through my pregnancy. I had my baby and I really didn't think anything of it, but I was having an event for the bestie list and I wanted to give away party favors and I included some foot soaks because it was like fresh on my mind. Didn't think anything of it until I started getting calls, text messages, emails. Hey, where can I buy this foot soap? Where can you buy it? What are you talking about? I made it. You don't have to buy it. I can give it to you. And then I was talking to my husband. I was like, uh, wait a minute. They want to buy it. There's something here. And so July of 2015, I launched. It was actually not Naturally London originally. It was originally London's Petty Soaks. Yes, that name is kind of wonky. I was thinking so into Harry Potter or something. But London Petty Soaks launched. So I essentially had twins. I had my daughter in January. I had London's Petty Soaks in July and we were off. Okay. Did you become a certified aromatherapist before or after you started this business? After. Very shortly after. Like I started the business in July and I think by that December or January, I was a certified aromatherapist. When you first created the line, how did you choose the scent and what were they? Wow, you're taking me back six years. What was my sense? Do you remember the first one you made? Jasmine and I can't remember the other scent that was paired with it, but Jasmine was one. I know because that one was very popular. So I didn't have salt. I had little fizzy balls. I had lavender, eucalyptus, jasmine, and something. And then I can't remember. My memory is horrible. I've gone through so many evolutions with this brand. Now you got me wanting to go back and find my little little original book of ideas. Yeah, that's a good one. And the reason why it's hard for me to remember the actual sense is because I had such cute little names for things. It wasn't like it is now. Like now it was like feet don't fail me now. And like, what's it? It's feet don't fail me now. I don't remember. I don't know. So now like it's a little bit more, I, I don't know. I can't remember. How did you get to the point where you started to evolve the brand? There were two main evolutions of the brand, like two big ones, I guess, pivotal ones. The first one was when I was trying to trademark London's Petty Soaps, I ran into problems. I couldn't get it trademarked. So I was like, this is an opportunity to change the name to something that's easier for people to remember and pronounce because I had the hardest time with people understanding what that was. This is going to probably give you a little goosies, some goosies here. I originally wanted Naturally London. I actually looked into it. The URL was taken. It wasn't available. And I was just like, okay. And I came up with London Petty Soaks. I go back three years later. Guess what? The URL is available. Wow. Uh, 
okay, God, naturally London it is. And I didn't look back. So now the brand is naturally London. And then we went to this expo in New York, this beauty expo. And I actually met my business bestie, shout out to Shirley with Burr's skincare. We always are exchanging resources and she gave me her graphic designer's information. And I started talking with her and Jane is the one that completely molded. Of course, it's always a combined effort because you have to get my input, but Jane was just like, this is what you should have. And the brand has just ever since been on this trajectory. Like if you go to my Instagram and scroll down, if you have the time, you'll see the evolution. You'll see the original packaging now when I'm looking like that was the original packaging. And if you scroll, you'll see. You will see how I was trying to get to a place that I knew I needed to be to. But the thing is, you didn't wait till you got there to start. Right. There's something to be said to just starting where you are. Start where you can. Yeah, start where you can. Because a lot of people wait till things are perfect before they do. And then there's always an obstacle. And I, in some ways, have in the past suffered from that. But I started this podcast during the pandemic. No excuse. Like, I can't say I don't have the money to be in the studio because there's resources like this. I can't say I don't have money for X or Y because there's Fiverr and Canva. So it forced me to just hit and go forward as opposed to sitting there going, well, I want to do this. And then when this is right, I'll do that. And now it's just like it has changed because you can evolve as you go along. And I didn't really appreciate done is better than perfect until I started doing when it wasn't perfect. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. Like I had heard that phrase a lot, but until I did it for myself, the done when it wasn't perfect, then I could have really appreciated like, okay. And I could tell the people that that really is some value in that. There's a lot of value. And I started out with plastic jars and labels that I was hand putting on because that's what I could afford. And now I have what I wanted originally, which was silk printed bottles with no label. And I love my packaging now because it finally embodies what I've always wanted in my head. And I was going to keep pushing till I got there. And that's okay. And people always say, why don't you delete the other stuff? No, because I want people to see the evolution. The other part is when it was not perfect, quote unquote, or not where you wanted to be, you still had customers. Yes. The customers that got you the revenues that you could do the new stuff. So deleting that kind of like deletes your original customers who were like, cheering you on from the beginning. In the military, they teach us this saying, like they teach us a lot of chants, but there's one chant that has always stuck with me. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good gets better and your better gets best. Like it sums me up. I'm going to keep going until I get to my best. Yeah. Say it again. So just because the audience can get it. (laughs) Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good gets better and your better gets best. Yeah, that's good stuff right there, folks. That's really good stuff. So let's go back. I had mentioned aromatherapy. I want to know now, since we talked about the evolution of the brand, how and why you certified as an aromatherapist, and then how it has impacted the brand. As soon as I realized my path was to become this foot care person, (laughs) I was like, good, better, best. I need to learn about how to make the best products I can. I need to learn how to make the best combinations so that when I make 
these foot care products, they're feet focused ingredients. They're going to make people feel the best they can make them feel. So I looked online for a aromatherapy certification school. I found one of the best to me. And what I did was it was at home. I could do it online. I still have a little baby that I'm taking care of during this process, right? So I took it. It's at your own pace, which is great because when I was real gung-ho, I could burn through a couple of chapters and things. And it was very thorough. You had to do case studies and things like that on like your friends and family that volunteer for you to do the work that they ask. And I am thankful because there's intricate chapters on the skin and the layers of the skin and the importance of the dilution rate and all the stuff that people need to know before they just dive in and start creating businesses, especially that use things as powerful as essential oils. So I got my certification. I felt like I was on cloud nine. I'm always looking to learn and to expand myself. I'm actually getting ready to go back for another certification because it's like, The more you know, the better you can be. And I am so thankful because I use that information. They taught me how to make butters. They taught me how to make bombs. They taught me all these things, tinctures and things like that. They teach you all that in the school so that you can go out and be a proper practicing business manufacturer or whatever you want to call yourself. I think that's fantastic. Did you have a favorite blend that you created? Or are they all your favorites because they're in your line? I have two, I guess, essential oils that I like the most, but I haven't introduced them yet, or I just recently introduced them. One is rose. I love rose. There's something very delicate and beautiful about rose. And I literally just launched a product this year with it because I finally feel like I'm at a place where I can kind of have fun now. And then the next scent that I absolutely love is vetiver. I don't think it's used enough. Like people probably now are like vetiver. Vetiver is a smoky, earthy, delicious yumminess that when I smell it, it just puts me in this kind of state of mood. And it's great for so many body ailments, inflammation, clarity, concentration. You can put it directly on your skin. Vetiver is really beautiful. So I cannot confirm nor deny that there will be a product coming out soon with vetiver. Because I love vetiver. Anything I smell, like when I'm out and I smell a candle, vetiver, I have to buy body (laughs) body lotions. Vetiver, it's in my bag. Like I love vetiver. Oh, that is so funny. (laughs) But I really do believe that scent speaks to us. And I don't think we're doing it so much now because in COVID people lost their sense of smell. So you might've taken it for granted, but now we don't take it as much for granted because it's an essential part of our lives. And if you were among those who lost your sense of smell, I'm sure if you've gotten it back, you appreciate it even more. Yeah, because your sense of smell is our most powerful sense, like it instantly triggers memory. That's why babies love their scent of their mom and you smell a rose or maybe you're out and you smell something and it instantly reminds you of your grandmother or whatever. Like it literally zooms you back to wherever. Scent is very powerful. And it's unfortunate that many people have lost their sense of smell and taste. It's so tragic. I don't know. It is. You wanted to name it Naturally London. You mentioned why. Oh, I never said why. (laughs) Okay. So I named my company after my inspiration. 
my inspiration is London and London is my daughter who is now six years old. Okay. And so London's Petty Soaps or Naturally London is her. Oh, that's beautiful. They were born around the same time. So it does make a lot of sense. Yes, they're twins essentially. And I would never have created anything had it not been for her making my feet swell because I had a second baby after her four years later and I didn't have not one swollen anything. And I said, huh, if Julian would have came first, this would never have happened. Wow. (laughs) I had no swelling, zero swelling. So interesting. Well, not. We talked about divine appointment at the beginning of this. So this is bearing out in the way that the lines birth. How many SKUs are in the line currently? I believe there's 15 SKUs. Plus I have a nail file. So I don't know if I count that or not. 15 product SKUs plus a nail file. Let's talk about going niche with foot care as the focus. I mean, you started with one product and some people would say, oh, I'm starting here, but I'm going to do a whole body. Why'd you stay there? I hate that saying beating a dead horse, but I hate to keep like saying the same thing. But of course, during my six year journey, I've been approached by people to do body care, hair care, face, skin care. And whenever I may talk to someone or whatever, and I kind of go like, hmm, God comes in and says, no, 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 no. You need to stay in your little niche, your little pond. This is where you need to be. So Whenever I've entertained or thought about doing something outside of feet, I get redirected. So I did add hands in 2020, March of 2020, I did add hand care because I feel like that kind of is like the yin and the yang of it. So that is there. But as far as body care and face and all that, I'm not going to say never, but I don't have any plans to expand into that arena. How many SKUs dedicated to feet are there? Well, technically all of them. So originally I was just doing foot care products and then I added the hand care products, but the hand care products are also for the feet. They're dual. So the products I'm making now are multi-purpose, dual purpose products. So technically all 15 SKUs, well, yeah, all 15 SKUs can be used for the feet, but technically I have customers that use the foot balm on their hands or on their lips, but technically there's only about I think six skews for the hands. Okay. Do you have a hero product or ingredient? I will say that my foot butters are very loved. And for me, I always try to figure out a way to make products that like, of course, butter is everywhere. Butter, butter, butter. But usually it's like Shea, not knocking anyone that uses Shea. For me, I want it to be different. So I have Kupuatsu butter, which comes from Brazil. So I have the primary butter in my butters is Kupuatsu, which is great for eczema and any kind of inflammatory skin irritations, which people have them. That stuff is normally targeted. You can have it on your feet. Also, I use avocado butter and mango butter, which they're a little bit more common, but I just love the properties that these three butters bring. So I think if I had to choose a hero product, it would be my foot butters. And the ingredient that I love the most is kupuatsu because it smells like chocolate. I'm making it and I'm like, I want to eat it. How did you find the ingredient? 
first of all, that's my dream job is for Naturally London is to travel the world to find amazing ingredients. Hopefully that will happen one day. But most of the amazing ingredients that I've incorporated have been suggestions from friends and family. My baby cousin has really bad eczema, which is my cousin Sharonda's sister's son. Hope I didn't lose anybody. And she was like, well, we use this on Tariq. And I think you should think about using it in your products that you're about to be like full throttle. This is why I'm about to go full throttle. And I was like, what is it? And she was like, she called it Kapua Kua. That's what she <laughs> And it's from Brazil. And I'll text it to you. And I was like, okay. So I looked it up. I researched it. I ordered a little sample to kind of play around. I learned how to properly say the name, which is Kupatsu. And <laughs> the rest is history. Oh, that sounds great. Sustainability and having botanically based products is really a cornerstone of your business. Why did you decide that that was also important to you? A lot happens when you become a parent. So I can't lie and say the moment I became a mom, I was like, save the world. I mean, I've always kind of like recycled and done things, but the older my daughter got, I was just kind of like, hmm, what are we doing? So I went on this path of, I transitioned to glass. I transitioned from plastic caps to metal caps. These are not cheap transitions. No. Did you change your prices accordingly? At first I did not. I didn't change my prices until one of my stockists, someone that carried my products. This was crazy. My stockist pulled me aside and was like, how are you surviving with your price point? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I have vendors that have the exact same size, ingredient quality, all the stuff that you have, but they charge three times more. Clutch my pearls. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? So I went and I did a price bump like nobody's business. I thought I just knew I was going to lose customers, but didn't. I was like, okay, we're good. We're going to keep going now. I'm glad to hear that because a lot of times we're afraid to ask for what we're worth. But when you're looking at building this business and you took on extra costs, so your profit ratio was not in the ideal situation if you increased all of the cost of goods. So I'm glad that you did that. So now glass is heavier, so it costs more to ship. All of our foot care products are now plastic free. I'm very proud of that. All of our products, except for one skew, are primarily in glass or non-plastic. We have our one skew that is primarily plastic, which is our cuticle pin. But I'm working hard to try to find a different delivery system that may be able to alleviate that in the future. But yeah, I partner with smart retailers like Grove. They're plastic neutral. They have something called the plastic tax for their vendors. And luckily my products that they have are all plastic free, but they're not joking. They're like, find a different way than plastic to use because plastic is destroying us right now. And so it's very passionate to me. Any charity that I partner with, I try to focus on ones that focus on sustainability, like Souls for Souls. I'm really trying to incorporate this everywhere I can possibly do because it's a serious matter. And I'm loving that I'm teaching my children as I'm doing it. Your sustainability is just a core value of the brand. Yes. How did you get your products into retail? 
I guess I'm very lucky. Both the retailers that I have approached me and that was very amazing. So I didn't really have to go through an applying process. I have applied to some retailers before and sometimes it hurts if you don't get it the first time, but I feel like revamp, like look at what you got going on. Maybe there's something you can tighten up or it could be as easy as it's not you. Maybe they're just not bringing on that category. Like my girlfriend had taught me there's no such thing as failure, only success and lessons learned. And I've lived by that since she taught me that lesson. Like that is what I tell everybody when they're getting down on themselves. It's not necessarily a problem with you. And if there is, you have an opportunity to grow. So it's a win-win. Yeah. It's hard to hear the first time, especially when you're in the midst of it. Because if you're an entrepreneur, you know what failure feels like. Rejection. Yeah. Rejection, mistakes made, whatever it is. Oh my God. Yes. I've made some walk away from the business kind of mistakes. Like, woo, I'm done. This kind of plays into the next question. What do you think your biggest learning curve has been as an entrepreneur? 2020, we were featured on Good Morning America and we're a small batch. And it's a difference when you're processing 20 orders or 100 orders or some cute number, 500, right? But with Good Morning America, we didn't have the systems, processes, and procedures in place to process thousands and thousands and thousands of orders. Yeah, that was when life got real. Long story short, I had to lie on the couch. I was literally about to just close the doors because I just didn't know how to get out of this horrible, but yet wonderful situation because these people are supporting. This was right when the pandemic was popping off real strong, but I pushed through because my mother, God rest her soul, taught me not to quit. And my mother taught me to dig in and get it done. And I did. And I learned so much. So anytime I've ever had a major order like that, I have the processes and procedures in place. It is clockwork. It doesn't matter if I have five people or 15 people or three people, we get it done because it's all about your processes and procedures. And that I thank GMA with the bottom of my heart because I would never have known that those holes were there because the numbers we were processing were not that major. So now if someone comes to me and tells me that they need me to do something, okay, it's easy because I did the legwork to correct all those mistakes. And sink or swim, I was drowning for a little bit, but I got <laughs> I back up. We're good. As an entrepreneur, what has been your biggest joy? Part of me is like winning beauty awards because it's kind of like you're being acknowledged by your peers. But the emotional part of me, which I'm a very emotional creature, is like when you get emails from people saying it helped their pregnant daughter's feet. Or they've been trying to find something to address their really cracked heels and they are crying because their feet are not in pain anymore or they're soaking their feet and they're seeing dead skin melt off. Like people email me and they tell me stuff. I've had an old lady call me because somehow my number got out. I don't even know, but it's okay. She called me. She talked to me and I talked to her because she reminded me of my grandmother. And I talked with her and she was just praising me on so many things. See, those are those types of interactions that I hold in my heart. And I had a customer tell me, 
your products are healing people and changing them. And I'm like, I never thought my products would equivalent that. And to get these messages from people is honestly more important than any beauty award. I want to just talk about moving your business out of the house to manufacture. What was that process like? How'd you find a manufacturer? I am still manufacturing my products. I manufacture every product that comes out. It has been made with these hands. Wow. So you did the GMA order? Yes, I almost killed myself. But I was piping and pumping. And of course, I have assistants that help me, but I'm still the only person that makes my products. So yes, that was all done in-house. And I don't think that people realize that, that they think we're a manufactured by machinery and all that stuff. No, this is literally all crafted by my hands. So I have a studio now that is primarily for Naturally London. We store all of our containers and everything, ingredients, massive ingredients, like 20 bags of 50 pound bags of salt. Like there's a lot going on over there. It was surreal. When I tell my husband, I'm going to the studio, I call it the studio because I don't know what else to call it. You know, I'm going to the studio and it's amazing because I report now since 2020, I've been working 100% naturally London, which was a huge and scary transition for me during a pandemic. I left my six figure job to go and do naturally London because I felt at that time God was telling me. This is where you need to go now. So I go to the studio and I do my conjuring. My husband sometimes calls me a witch. I think that's so funny. But yeah, I conjure my little bruise and make my products. It was surreal because for a very long time, I did make my products from my kitchen. But we have great pioneers like Carol's daughter and others that taught us it's okay to be where you need to be at the beginning and just know that you can always stay there. Absolutely. I've had some guests who've done that and they have moved to manufacturing. When you say small batch, I'm like, did she go to small batch or contract manufacturer? But you're the small batch maker. You know, that's admirable to be able to fulfill a major order from GMA because I know how big those orders are and how quickly things sell out. Yes. So I still kind of have small batch, but there's a difference between making a small batch of 24 and making a small batch of 150. You know what I mean? Like you have to just know how to amp it up, but it's still in the bigger scheme of things, small batch. But you're small batch and you're at retail. You're getting things to retail. So there's got to be a system in place. And yes, it must have been really a challenge to do it and have a full time job. Well, that's why GMA is when the pressure of that member lying on the couch, (laughs) that pressure of figuring out how to get all these orders out and the lack of process in place, I had to make a choice. And I felt like, okay, can I tell you a small story? Sure, of course. 2020, January or February, I had a conversation with God. I was literally driving in my car to my government job. And I said, God, I'm tired. I have been doing this hustle for, I think, four years. My family's suffering. This is when it was just me, my husband, and my daughter. I'm like, my family's suffering. I'm pouring into my business financially of my time, of everything. I was like, please, Lord, if this is what I'm supposed to do, please help me 
get to that understanding. Like, I didn't say show me something, but I think you get what I'm saying. And then I said, but if it's not meant for me to do this, help me have peace in my heart to let it go and let me let it go. This was in January, February, maybe. And then guess what happened? March pandemic. I was like, okay, God, okay. I asked you to show me what was going to happen. And so the pandemic hit. And of course it was chaos in our nation. I get reached out in May or whatever, May or some time frame, maybe a little bit before that GMA reaches out. And I'm like, huh? I actually thought it was a scam. At first, I was very skeptical when I was communicating. And then I realized it was real. And they were like, can you provide us this many thousands of units? I have been approached by other people in the past. And I'll be like, oh, no, no, no. For some reason, I had the confidence. I said, yes, we can handle this. Yes. And then I thought to myself, holy smokes, is this okay? So maybe you're telling me something. So the GMA happens, the overwhelming orders happen. And I was just like, I have to make a decision. And that's when I was like, I went to my supervisor who was a wonderful person. And I said, I have to leave. And of course they tried to counter. And I was just like, you can't counter, bud. I'm going to work for me. And that was June of 2020. So I officially had a year working for myself this past June, and it's amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I can't believe it. Congratulations. This is a major milestone. It is. But I do want to say for anyone out there that is working a full-time job and doing their dream, one thing I don't like is when people always used to ask me, do you work full-time? And I'm like, yeah. I work my nine to five and then I go home and I work another eight hours or another whatever hours. And that's okay. That's okay because that's what you have to do. And I'm very happy to finally be, oh my God, you're about to make me cry. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm so thankful to be able to work one job. All my life I've had two jobs and to finally be working one job. Well, that's amazing. It's powerful. It's amazing. And that is, Well, I'm going to say as a result of your prayer, (laughs) and it's an answered prayer. It was answered. (laughs) It was definitely answered. It was answered like five times over. He just like, he told me, you need to keep doing what you're doing because this is what I have in store for you. That's what I took away from it. Well, I'm a believer. I believe this. And you know, the proof is in the pudding in a lot of ways, other ways in which it's being shown because you have been recognized by CEW. Beauty publications by like Allure. You've got earth-based organizations recognizing your product. All that by concentrating on a niche and doing it yourself. Yes. And being the best at what you do. <laughs> so how does that make you feel? Well, sometimes one of my flaws is that I'm always moving. I need to learn how to, which is something I'm working on, smell the roses look at these accolades, look at these accomplishments and say, I did that. I have to get better at like really, truly absorbing it. But yeah, my goal is to make Naturally London the number one go-to for foot care. Like if you really Google search number one foot care brand, there's no one there yet. There's no one there yet, but I'm going to get Naturally London to pop up on your Google search when you look and see for foot care and hand care as well. Like it makes me feel very blessed. It makes me feel 
Like God literally has poured this talent into me because there's so many times where I just know how to do something and I can't explain it until I'm talking to someone else and they're trying to figure out like another business owner. And they're like, I'm scared to do this and I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, all you got to do is this, this, and this. And they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, it was common sense or naturally to me, but for someone else, they were paralyzed. And so I do try to like mentor what I can. I mean, I'm not trying to act like I'm this big guru, but when I can pour into someone or save someone a step on certain things, I do. I've mentored several brands that it makes me happy that people are seeking me out to talk to me like little 18 year old entrepreneurs. And I'll have an hour, 90 minute conversation with them and put them on this trajectory. Like what if this is the brand that 10 years from now is like pop on and popping. And I was a catalyst into making this happen. Like that's the kind of thing I look into, but I feel very blessed and just divinely favored. And I don't take it for granted. And I'm just so excited to see where naturally London goes. Let's just give our listeners some information so they know how to get your product and where to follow you on social. So let's start there. Okay. So you can just go to naturallylondon.com. It's phonetic, naturallylondon.com. And then to follow me on Instagram, you can go to naturally.london and hope to see you there. And then the retailers are? You can buy Naturally London at Macy's.com, Grove Collaborative. I believe it's Grove.co and also Black and Green. Okay, that's great. Finally, in this last section of the podcast, I want to leave our listeners with some concrete steps on where to begin. So let's go into our starting five that take away tips from our guests. I'm sure we have some listeners looking to build a brand of their own. Could you offer them five tips on going deep? Like instead of trying to go wide, going deep or getting started. The first tip is I'll focus on the niche part. I have a, someone that told me this was like, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond? Yes. You might open yourself up to more options of customers, but you're also opening yourself up to more competition. When you niche down, one, you can charge more for honest because you're specializing. Look at any arena, medical care, like any kind of arena. If someone is a specialist, you have to be good and knowledgeable in your field, but it just really allows for you to really excel in your niche. And that's why I love learning and expanding my knowledge base in the foot care arena. So I think niches are really smart and you can easily find a niche, maybe even in a bigger thing. So let's say you want to make dog treats. Well, don't just make basic dog treats, make gluten-free dog treats because there may be a huge market for dogs that have gluten allergy. I don't know why that popped in my head, but it did. (laughs) So the second thing is, like I said earlier, you have to change your mindset. This was a very powerful transition for me thinking about, oh man, I messed up. I messed up. Man, that opportunity didn't come my way. No, it's only success and lessons learned. It's never failure. You don't fail. You just learn a valuable lesson that's going to pivot you to your next point. We've covered this other one earlier. Sometimes you just have to start. You just have to start. Try to get the courage to go out and 
do whatever it is that you're trying to do. Now, granted, some businesses are a little bit more challenging than others. You have to have some other parameters in place for some businesses, but learn what you can learn and don't be afraid to start where you are because there's always opportunity to evolve and grow. And sometimes it allows for you to have a stronger community because your community is going to grow with you as you grow and you evolve. The next one is make sure you have a support system. I've been very fortunate. I don't have many people I call in my support system, but the ones I do are strong. I have a business bestie. We share everything. Well, we don't share our recipe. Well, she does share her recipes, but I don't want to do her recipes. (laughs) But we share everything, resources, everything. When she finds an amazing photographer, she tells me. When I find an amazing brand strategist or whatever, I tell her, you need to find that one person. We're not in a direct field. She does body care. I do foot care. And so we kind of complement each other, but we share so much. Like the other day, she called me asking me a couple of questions and I saved her $4,800. And two weeks ago, I called her about something and she saved me $7,000 of some stupid thing I was about to do. And she was like, no, 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 this is why. And sometimes you need that mirror. So even if you only have one, you need to have one person that you can talk with and be your, I call it business bestie. And my last one is don't give up. Because a lot of businesses that you see successful today have been going at it for many years. And the funny thing is that me and my business bestie have been doing our businesses for six years. I think she's at seven. But now we're starting to see the successes that we craved and yearned for year one, year two. And one thing that we found out from the expo we did a few years ago, 30% of those businesses that were there are no longer existent. They gave up. Maybe they had a reason, like I'm not judging their reason why, but 30% are gone. And then there's us still pushing. And now we're getting recognized in Essence and Forbes and Reader's Digest. Sometimes it's just people want to see your fortitude. People want to see your ability to stick. And you have to have that grit to keep pushing no matter what, because you never know one day, literally overnight, possibly you can go from a hundred sales a month to a thousand sales a month. Like you just don't know, like you don't know who's watching you and make sure that you keep all things encompassed. Make sure you try to have your social media, like Grove approached me because of my social media. GMA approached me because of my social media. You don't think certain parts of your brand or your business can bring you things, but you'll be surprised. And if you don't know how to do your social media, ask somewhere, Google it. Like so many people ask me questions and I'm like, I learned by Google. I'm YouTube certified. Like Google is my best friend. There are so many ways for you to educate yourself out there that are for free. I don't want to hear anyone saying that they can't afford stuff because there's so much information out there that's free. My only suggestion is to make sure you're learning from accredited source because you don't want to learn from a person teaching you false and just keep going. That's it. Those are great. And the point you made about you and your business bestie bring in six and seven years and just starting to reap from the seeds you planted six, seven years ago. Somebody once said to me, 
overnight sensation doesn't have much of a story to tell. It's the people who have been at it, the people who have been challenged. This is in any part of business, in any part of life, that can inspire way more than someone who just, by luck or happenstance, wins. And there are not as many overnight sensations as we believe. There aren't. And it's funny. My husband told me this. Don't give him credit. Like, <laughs> but my husband told me this story once when I was really down and really out and just feeling defeated. He told me about the farmers in Japan. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so he was like, just listen. <laughs> the farmers in Japan, bamboo farmers, they tend the fields and they tend the fields for five years. These jokers are tending fields that you don't see nothing. You don't see anything. Something's happening underneath, but you just tend in because that's what you're supposed to do. At five years, the bamboo shoots up off the earth and goes straight up to the sky. And he said, amor. Oh, God, I'm about to cry. No, no, no. Mm-mm. He was like, amor, you just have to wait. Your crop is coming. And literally, the fifth year is the GMA. That may have been coincidental, but the fifth year was GMA. I had to revamp my process and procedures, confidence that I can handle large orders. Ironically, Macy's came along, Grove came along. Everything happened in 2020. Tend to your field. You may not see what's happening, but do everything you got to do to that bamboo field. You do what you're supposed to do, your crop will shoot up. That's a word right there. We may have to give hubby his flowers on this one. Oh, this is a good okay. one. It's a good one. Oh, it's okay. a really good one. <laughs> it is. When he told me that, he made me cry because, of course, I felt seen. My frustration felt seen. And it was just motivational. Like, I'm doing everything I need to do. It's going to happen. And I got frustrated when I talked to God 2020 in the car. I was just like, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I don't know what else to do. And I, I just had to be patient. Because my crops were coming. I just didn't know. And they came. Right. And they came. And what a blessing it is. And what a story to share. Like, I know those people listening, even if you don't have a line, it's like whatever you are putting your mind to in terms of your career, this applies to you to tend to your field and be patient. You may not see what's happening, but... You just don't know who's watching you. You know, you just don't know what's happening underneath all the ground, the root system that's being placed and all that foundation that's happening underneath the dirt. You don't see it. And then if you don't do the work to get the root system down, when that bamboo shoots up, you know, you got to tend to those roots, tend to that field. Yeah. And if you have a problem doing the work, there's two books that really pushed me. First, Stephen Pressfield, Do the Work. Okay. It's just like a simple book, Do the Work. Mel Robbins' first book, The Five-Second Rule. What, wait, who is that by? I'm trying to take notes. Who is that by? Mel Robbins, Five-Second Rule. She has two books, Five-Second Rule and High Five Habit. And The Five-Second Rule is how I started this podcast because I was listening to it right before the pandemic on my way to an event. And I said, I need to start something. I need to do something. Saw somebody that would be a really good guest. Went up to her and said, I'm starting this podcast. Girl had nothing. Went up to her and said. I love it. No, that's what I live for. I started this podcast. I wonder if you would be a guest. She said, sure. I'm asking a senior level beauty executive to be on a podcast. That means I have to make one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but 
but what did you do? You knew you wanted a creative outlet. You knew something that you wanted to do and you acted on it. And then I'm sure before the date that you had scheduled with her, you scrambled to get what you needed to get done. Oh yeah. No, I figured it out after that. I had to figure it out, but I put myself in a position because what Mel Robin says is five seconds. We talk ourselves out of something, you know, get an idea. We talk ourselves. So I saw her and I just went for it. And then it was easy. I started asking other people, not easy, but then I could ask people I was closer to, to be on the podcast. It's easier to do that ask. But then people who know me are not necessarily <laughs> responsive. You kind of learn the lesson. It's kind of like there are people everywhere and there are some great stories out there. Just find them. And it's just leaning on kind of my journalism background. So go back to that, find great stories, have great conversations and have fun with it. Yes. And it's helping people. I can't thank you enough, Chrissy, for being with me today, for sharing your truth and the passion for what you're doing and showing everybody that choosing to be niche makes you different, number one, but it also makes you powerful because you know what you're focused on. You're not like getting lost by distraction. There's power in that as well. I do want to make sure to say that there have been so many awesome collaborations I've been able to do because of my niche. They don't see me as body care, even though I kind of fall under body care. But I've worked with so many great brands and done some amazing things because they're like, oh, she's just foot care. Yes, I'm just foot care. Let me be a part too. You know, I'm just going here like, yes, I'm just foot care. And it allows for me to be in the room with people without them seeing me as like a threat. Not that I think anybody should look at it that way. We all can win. There's plenty out there. But I've been able to be a part of some amazing things because I'm niche. And I feel like if other people can find a way to maybe be niche too, it could be beneficial. So for the listeners, find your niche and make it work. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's our show for today. If you have questions about where to start in your beauty career, drop us a line at hello at beautybizcamp.com. Remember, there are many roads to success, but each of them requires you to start. So take that step forward today. See you next time.